This is episode 20 of Hoops Forum, a production of Radius Athletics and a Quick Timeout podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and I'm joined once again by Randy Sherman. Big thanks to 323 Sports for sponsoring Hoops Forum. It's camp season, and there's a little bit of time left if you still need to get your t-shirt orders in. 323 Sports has a moisture management one-color print tee, only $6.99 a piece. To order those, either visit 323sports.com or you can contact a sales rep, sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports camp. This is the third episode of our series talking about the impact of cognitive biases on our coaching. If by chance you missed the first two discussions, you can go back and watch those on the Radius Athletic YouTube page or you listen to them by simply searching a quick timeout podcast. Today we're talking survivorship bias. We've kind of started each of these episodes by just simply defining what those are. So in simple layman's terms, Randy, what is survivorship bias? I'd say it's a phenomenon where one focuses on the surviving example and makes decisions based on that surviving example. Hence the name survivorship bias. It's probably at its root a misunderstanding of cause and effect that we display in in some of our decision making. I would say that maybe two words, correlation and causation that get confused in our head that allow us to fall prey to survivorship bias. One thing I would add too would be that, you know, simply put, it's a shortcut. Like it's a way, it's a mental, a lot of these cognitive biases are, are their errors because they're shortcuts. There are ways to sort of like quickly justify or, or, or uh, give rationale to a decision. Focusing on the surviving example, hey, if it worked for that person or that coach or that team, then it must be a good idea. And that's why they're successful. And that, that in a way that that validates the decision in our mind. Would think that especially in this day and age with social media and us just sharing the best and not necessarily digging deep into things, potentially as a coach, you can see something, an example, a team, a play, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and think, oh, that's successful. I'm going to use that up. And like you said, what was actually the cause for it? And that's what we'll dig a little bit deeper into today. Yeah. So before we get into that, talking about maybe examples of this in our coaching, why don't you try to give us maybe a sports example and then maybe a non-sports example that people could relate to? Oh, I think the classic example is like a lot of times what what you see, and I, I've experienced it in helping coaches over the past several years is, you know, whatever team wins the national championship, let's say, like, or maybe the high school level state championship, or let's just say, since we're all watching college basketball, March Madness, or something like that, think of that bracket as like a filter, right? And then every team that kicks out is a not, it loses, gets kicked out of the bracket. They're a non-survivor, right? And the champion is the surviving team, if you will, if you'll, if that, let me use that language. So what we often see is the team that survives the bracket, aka wins the tournament. I'll inevitably, I'm sure you have too, get emails like, say, if it was North Carolina, hey, do you have anything on North Carolina's secondary break? Or if it's Virginia, hey, do you have anything on pack line defense? Or if it's Villanova, like everyone's running four out, one in offense, right? Like, so I, I think that's a, that's probably the most prevalent sports example. Another might be like how you see products or things marketed as to players as this is the workout used by 
Steph Curry or like where that's used as a marketing tool. And that that leads to survivorship bias in that, okay, we fixate, we, we think this the the reason why they're good, cause of that team being good, or the cause of that hitter in baseball being good is that actual tactic or workout or whatever, when it's merely just one input into that success. This day and age, advertisers are great at getting us to buy into those things yeah. because, again, we're just being thrown these 30-second clips and it's being sponsored by our favorite player or our favorite coach or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so because they use it, we must be able to use it too. And it sounds so simple, but it creeps into a lot of coaches' philosophy. There's no real causation, like you said, for why they do what they do other than I saw somebody successful doing this. Right. It's a way of getting third-party validation. So if I'm if I coach a team and I'm wondering if I've, I've, I've maybe I'm somewhat familiar or, or with a tactic to say the offense that the national champion or the, the, the state champion in my state runs. And it's a shortcut in our heads of like, hey, if that worked, that that's third-party validation. That guy did it. It worked. So it worked, right? Like it's it's a good idea. Ergo, it's a good idea. So I think the fundamental mistake is is a misinterpretation of, of cause and effect. Maybe how about a real world example, like outside of the sports world would be like when you hear sometimes like, you know, uh, Mark Zuckerberg is a billionaire. He started Facebook, but and he's a college dropout. So you see that, you know, so like, so see like college isn't, what it's cracked up to be look like like look at you know all these entertainers or someone who didn't even go to college or or someone who made it they survived in the in our social definition of that and they did it in this route true mark zuckerberg did drop out of college but he's not successful because he dropped out of college he was successful because of a a good idea he had a skill set to bring it to the market he 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 wrote in help and things like that. So yes, it is true that he dropped out of college, but that's not why he succeeded. I mean, I'm thinking about like outliers. We mm -hmm. like to look at the outliers and then that can potentially lead us down wrong paths. So that transitions to this next part here. We talk our segment called Beyond the Scoreboard, where we really go like deeper into things and mm -hmm. try to get practical as well. You've heard us, by the way, talk about our sponsors over at Sideline Interactive. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer of scoring tables and video display boards for high schools and colleges around the country. Their scoreboards and their scores tables really will help improve the look of your facilities and also can potentially help you with revenue for your sports program. So if you'd like to find out more about that, you can visit sidelineinteractive.com or you can click the links in the descriptions below. Okay, Randy, so to dive deeper here, mm -hmm. what's the best way to avoid survivorship bias? I think the best way to avoid is ask yourself what you don't see. So that that's the perils of survivorship bias is that we focus on the surviving example, but that comes at the expense of the non-surviving examples. Like we immediately discard and ignore them and focus on the surviving example. So asking, always asking yourself, what do I not see? For example, you should run pack line defense because Virginia, who won the national championship, does. Okay, okay, I, I'm, I'm with you so far. All right, I can get with that. But like now I've got to go, I can't be completely sold at that moment. I've got to go deeper. What don't I see? What other reasons did they go into them winning the national championship? Furthermore, are they the only team that ran this style of defense? For example, there are several other teams that ran that. They didn't win the, the championship. So 
I've got to look not only at the surviving example, but the non-surviving example. And I would say avoid it by having a better underpinning for your decision making. Like I'm not running it because the best team runs it. I'm running something or making a decision for my program because I want the outcome it, it leads to. If someone says we run pack line, I'm just picking on this example, but like we run pack line defense because we want to stop all dribble penetration. Okay, that's a good reason. That's a sound reason. Not we're running it. Well, I don't know. We're running it because they do and they won the championship or something like that is a bad reason or it's an incomplete reason. So asking yourself what you don't see and then also like vetting your sources. If it's data, like if, okay, well, this this chart tells me this is the best decision, like really look deeper into the data and see if it's good data, good research, poke holes in, in, the, in it and think of what that might have missed. So really, it's just about asking yourself, what do I not see and what, am, what could I possibly be missing? I just think that this is so prevalent because of our Twitter age. You get in however few characters, somebody says something, you should do this because this person does this. We're really into it this time of year. I've heard this in several different discussions regarding what's happening in the NBA playoffs. Chris Paul shoots mid-range jump shots. We all should shoot mid-range jump shots. This team runs this type style of, of offense. We should run this type, type of style of offense. Mm-hmm. And to your earlier point, you're talking about the last eight to 10 best teams in literally the world. Mm-hmm. Just because they're doing it doesn't necessarily mean that we should do it. But on the reverse side of that, that also doesn't mean that you just throw all of those things out. Whether that is shooting a mid-range jump shot or running pack line defense or whatever, but it needs to go deeper in, like you said, the examples of data. Is this really effective against the types of teams that we play, their mm-hmm. style of play? Do we have the players to be able to run this? Is this player on my team capable of shooting this type of shot? What I have heard us say for three weeks in a row now is you must take into account multiple factors and dig deeper and look at data, not just make rash decisions because you want to fix a problem or change your potential for success. Yeah, I think all we need to do to dismiss survivorship bias would be, well, one year, this team won the tournament playing a slow, methodical, compact defense. And the very next year, a team like North Carolina who gets up and down the floor and run, you know, like that, that one. And then the next year it was a team sort of in between who ran four out instead of two post on the lane lines. Like, like, so, so lots of things survive, (laughs) right? Lots of things survive. So like none of these are the sole reason why they're probably in and of themselves, not a good enough reason to, to take that next step. Correlation does not equal causation. (laughs) I saw as you simply put it somewhere, like you just need to be aware that it exists. Don't make decisions just based off of what was the best thing that you saw this last year, whether it's a play or a team or a style of play. Any other last words? I would say that survivorship bias happens because we have a misunderstanding of correlation and causation, those two words. So I want something A causes B rather than something loosely correlated. Thanks so much to all of you who listened to the show this week and watched. If you missed any part of the show, you can go back and watch the full episodes on the Radius Athletics YouTube page or listen to these episodes by searching a quick timeout podcast. Next week, optimism bias.